Peace and many blessings and glory be to God. We thank God for the opportunity to share this day on the theme, How to Benefit from Fellowship. You may say how to benefit from church, how to benefit from belonging to an assembly. There are many believers who are in churches, who are in fellowships, who commune with big people all over, who are at a point on edge about to decide whether to continue or not to continue. As we share in the scriptures, as we look into God's word, I pray that God will establish the reason for establishing you there, and then also give you benefits that you can look forward to, so that by the time you are done, you'll be even more committed not to just the fellowship, but more importantly, to the Lord. I read a scripture from Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14, which we are all familiar with. It says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost, be with you all. Amen. This is what we call the grace. As we have shared the grace, let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word of truth. We thank you that, Lord, your word comes to strengthen, your word comes to heal, your word comes to deliver. We pray, O God, that your word will give us understanding in all things. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at the benefits of fellowship and how you and I can tap into the divine place of honor where we benefit. We don't just come and we don't come and complain. There are many people who go to church and it's all bitterness, it's all worry, it's all anxiety, not certain what God means for them in that particular location, or um, about to decide in, out. Sometimes you have to find people in two, three different churches still having to decide and all, because somehow they have not seen they will tell you, that I, don't, I don't see the benefit of why I'm in this particular church or this particular fellowship. I pray that you and I will have an, a purpose for coming to a particular fellowship where God has placed us. I know that many surveys are done about people who migrate from one church to the other. And a man called George Banner has done quite a number of surveys. And one of the surveys he's done is about why people move leave churches. And interestingly, one of the reasons why uh, many people move from one church to the other, according to George Banner, the researcher, is that they do not find community in churches. They do not find community. They are in the church, but they feel like they are on an island. They do not find community. It's a very common reason for people moving on from one church to the other. So it's an issue that is critical to what we are discussing today. The subject of the benefit. If you find the benefit of the fellowship of the community, you will not say that you have to move on. The reason why many people are in ministries or in churches and, and do not find their place is because they do not see the benefit. Now in the book of Acts, in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, you see towards the end from verse 42 down to 47, the apostles begin a great fellowship, wonderful fellowship. The scripture said they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. This is a wonderful fellowship. 
every day they were just breaking bread, praying together, singing together, sharing the word together, and just warm at each other. And above all, the fear of God came upon every soul. And they had miracles, signs and wonders. And, 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 and this was done uh, not by angels, but by the apostles. The brethren, the, the, the leaders and the members themselves were experiencing miracles. And above all, also, they, also had, they, they had things in common. There was, you couldn't tell if this one was poor or this one was rich. And everybody was just accepting each other. It was a very wonderful fellowship they were enjoying. But when you first track down to the next few chapters, uh, chapter 5, you see where we have the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Now, before then, in chapter 4, we are told that everything that they had, they shared in common to the extent that Barnabas sold his land and brought it, and other people brought it to the apostles' feet. And they, 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 there was nobody that was in need. There was fellowship, as I understand it. And then the next chapter, we see the, the, the wrath of God, where Ananias and Sapphira, out of the fellowship, also had a problem with God. And the scripture says, when they, 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 they lied to the Holy Spirit, and both of them lost their lives. So, how, and there was great fear in the church as a result of that. How can I be in fellowship? How can you be in fellowship and optimize your being in the fellowship? Now, let me say that people having issues in fellowship in churches and uh, it's, not, it's not new to the kingdom. Because shortly after chapter 5, where they're talking about the, mirror, the, the shadows of the brethren healing people and handkerchiefs and aprons, healing and all of that, right in chapter 6, we see it begins with a struggle. And as it begins by talking chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. It says, and there was a struggle in those days. The number of the disciples was multiplying. And there arose the complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. That is the Jews who were of, 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 of Greek origin or lived in Greece. Because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So right there, immediately after a glorious moment, you had a time of trial. Then you see them grumbling over there in chapter 6. So this is fellowship, but they are still going through the trials. And then the apostle said, let's us separate, let's choose um, people that we call deacons and let them take assignments so that we will also focus on the preaching and the teaching and to prayer. Hallelujah. So, the idea that if you have fellowship, you should not have problems or you will never have problems. I think it's far from, far-fetched. It's utopian. It doesn't exist. The fact that there's fellowship may sometimes encounter difficulties. But when we encounter difficulties, as the apostles were given wisdom to resolve, so should we also trust God to give us wisdom to resolve. So the scripture says, these ones settle the matter by appointment. Now let's go back to the original of the word fellowship. I read to you the, the, the benediction or the grace. And in the, the modern translations, the grace, verse 14 of Second Corinthians 13, it says, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now in the modern translation of NLT and NIV, it says, and there... It says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit 
be with you all. Now, in the original, it talks that that word fellowship is actually konoinia. Konoinia means or communion is the same word fellowship. Now, that word also signifies four very uh, important features of a true fellowship. Number one, fellowship as in friendly association. It signifies friendly association. So if we say we are in fellowship, it means we have a friendly association. I am friendly to you, you are friendly to me. You are my friend, I am your friend. So irrespective of my background, irrespective of your background, I can befriend you. Friends laugh at each other, they tease, they, they smile, they, they, they share things in common. Now number two, this word kononia also means sharing. So that we share the grace, the sharing sharing, willing to give and sharing also signifies willingness to receive so you cannot be in fellowship where you are only given you must also receive something from the saints then you have participation it also means participation Kononia also means participation fellowship means participation so you cannot be there are many people in fellowship or in church and they, you ask them what ministry are you in what do you do for the church and so I'm thinking about it you've been in church for five years you are thinking about it ten years you are thinking about it so one day you just walk out of church because you are not participating you are not part of the fellowship you are actually just enjoying you become like the dead sea receive 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 so it gets to a time you get tired of receiving but you need to for you to enjoy fellowship you must participate you must be part of the activity you must do something in the kingdom you may be singing you may be ushering you may be praying you may be counseling, you may be teaching, you may be ministering to people of your own kind, you may be doing anything, but you must participate. You must do whatever you got to do to make other people be, get blessed while they are in fellowship. And last but not the least, the word kononia also signifies contribution. Contribution. Which means you, 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 you contribution physically, contribution spiritually, contribution uh, 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 psychologically. So your mind is, is contributing. Your ideas are contributing. Your money is contributing. Your time is contributing. And then your, your, your resource, everything you have is contributing. So to your paying of your tithes to the Lord, through the church, you are contributing. Your offerings, you are contributing. Your gifts to brethren, you are contributing. Helping the need, the needy, you are contributing. Whatever you do, to help others or to make the vision become a reality is a contribution. So when you are in fellowship, these four are key to your, 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 your full understanding of fellowship. So if you say, I mean, I fellowship in church A or church B or ministry A or ministry B. The question I put to you is, are you friendly? Who knows you? Who do you know? Who do you visit? Who do you call? Who are you sharing your life and your time with? Or you share with only your wife? Or your husband? Or your children? Or your daddy? Or your mommy? Who shares your life, your ministry, apart from your inner circle? People who speak your language. People who are your kind. Who understand your intellect. Who do you, what do you participate in? What in the church do you participate in? Or you, you have your own idea of what participation means. People are in churches sometimes and they are participating in many other things outside 
Maybe they are in your career participation. They are in, uh, participating in their family issues. They are participating in other things. But they don't understand participation in the house of God. In the kingdom of God. As you hear my word, as you hear the word of the Lord, I urge you to reconsider seriously. What is your level of contribution? What is your level of participation? What is your level of sharing? What is your level of friendly association in the church? Hallelujah. Now, we must understand something. We're talking about how to benefit from fellowship. Let us look at what benefits do people derive from being in fellowship? What does it mean to benefit? In the book of Psalms, Psalm 16, verse 11, the scripture is very very inspiring there. You get it says, you, show, you will show me the path of life. In your presence, O Lord, is fullness of joy. In your presence, O Lord, Fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So when I come before the Lord, I am looking for joy. When we are beaten by the system, when we are oppressed, when we are suppressed, when life is not easy, when we, 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 we go under the fear and the, 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 the terror of things like COVID-19 and all the troubles that are in the world, the stress of work and all. And I say, I am coming to the Lord. I need joy. Every darkness, every weight of darkness, every heaviness, I trust that when I come before the Lord, it will be taken. And it goes for us who are participating, those of us who are sharing, that God looks up to us to be used as channels to bring joy to somebody's heart. Amen. So when you are coming to fellowship, you are coming to church, you are fellowshipping with a brother, be it in a home, be it in a, 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 a church, or in a private fellowship, whatever group you find yourself in, remember, my dear, that your aim is to look for the joy and the pleasures of the Lord forever. And yours is also to seek to bring this joy and to bring the pleasures of the Lord to a brother or a sister around you. By our conduct, by our speech, by our, the way we treat people, by every, everything that we have, by the way we share resources, we bring joy to somebody's heart. The next thing that people be, uh, benefit from going to church is we, they look forward to impartation. In Romans 1 verse 11, Paul said to them, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you a spiritual gift, to the end that you may be established. We could all always stay in our cars and have fellowship, or hear the word of God. We could all stay by our computers and listen to the word of God. But that is not good enough. Because that does not give us a certain level of impartation. Impartation, when I say impartation, God shares his gifts through the servants that he has. Ephesians says we grow by that which every joint supplies. Not only pastors, but other brethren. When the musicians are singing, we receive an impartation. When the ushers are ministering, we receive an impartation. When other brethren are sharing, we receive an impartation. Anything we do in church, somebody imparts something. But especially when the minister of the word is giving the word of God, more than ever, you receive impartation. Sometimes as hands are laid on us, we receive impartation. As prophecy is given to us, we receive an impartation. So when you go to church, expect an impartation. 
Because it's the benefit of being in church. When you go to fellowship, expect an impartation. Irrespective of how anointed you may be, still expect an impartation. Because as we knit one to the other, somebody's gift, somebody's grace, the Lord, Holy Spirit, will impart to you as you also open up. Another very important thing that a person benefits when he comes before the Lord is hope. You know, many times we lose hope in life. Psalm 130 verse 5 says, For with you there is hope. With the Lord, I wait upon the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word, I do hope. When you go to the more modern verses, with you, there is hope. In your word, there is hope. So, when you people come to church, when people come to fellowship, they, are, they feel helpless and hopeless. But in you, I put my hope. So, when I come to church, and I know that if all men have written me off, if my family or any friend, the, writer, the, the psalmist said, if my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will not forsake me. Hallelujah. May your going to church bring you hope. May your being in fellowship bring you hope. Also, when you, 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 you fellowship is a time of mercy. Somebody say, mercy, O oh Lord. Talk to the Lord and say, Lord, have mercy on me. If there's any place when we stand condemned, when men condemn us, when even we, we, we condemn ourselves, when we come to the Lord, the Lord has mercy on us. In the presence of the Lord, in verse 4, 130, Psalm 130 verse 4, in the presence of the Lord, there is, there, we, we, we get forgiveness. We receive mercy. God has mercy on us. And brethren, we also ought to have mercy on one another when we come before the Lord. And I'll come to that in a short while. Beloved, you can't come to, before the Lord and not know the Lord. We desire one of the most important benefits of coming before the Lord is that we may know Him. The Apostle Paul spoke about this in the book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. So the desire to know the Lord. Knowledge of the Lord. As you come to the Lord, you behold Him. You get to know Him. Know Him. The power of His resurrection. The fellowship of His sufferings. Being conformed to His death. When you say you know the Lord, it means that you have understood His ways. When He speaks, you know how to obey. You understand the things the Lord likes and the things the Lord does not like. So you are able to walk according to His precepts. You, 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 you love the Lord because you know the Lord. It causes the knowledge of the Lord will bring the fear of the Lord. The knowledge of the Lord will bring honor. The knowledge of the Lord will bring deliverance. Because you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. When you know that truth, that when you know the Lord, you are free. And through that freedom, you are able to set others free. Say, Amen. Beloved, we are talking now about how you can enjoy these benefits. The benefit of joy and pleasure. The benefit of impartation. The benefit of hope. The benefit of forgiveness and mercy. The benefit of knowing God. How do I now tap into this? So that when I come to church, I will not be double-minded. I will not be confused. You will not be confused. You will know, you will be fully persuaded that the Lord sent you to that location, that fellowship, that church for a purpose. And you are on track in fulfilling that purpose. Now let me help you with these few points. 
Number one, let me un- let's understand that everything we sow, we can reap. You sow, you reap. You cannot reap where you have not sown. Now, the enjoyment or the enjoyment or the fullness or the benefit of the fellowship comes from what you sow. So these are things and these are relationships. These are commitments that when you sow into, you are going to reap the benefit of fellowship. Number one thing we must sow, we must sow a right attitude. You must sow a right attitude. You see, Jeremiah 17.10 talks about a right an attitude. God examines our motives. He says, I the Lord search the heart. I test the mind. Even to give every man according to his ways. According to the fruit of his ways. Many times people go to church based on peer pressure. They join a fellowship because somebody asked them to come. I want to take the register so that some friend somewhere because maybe somebody will know that I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get a young lady. I'm going after a young man. And I think that it will make them happy if I come. And because of that, the motive is wrong. So when they get that young man, and they get that young woman, say, ah, finito. But if you can have a right motive, not a motive where you say, oh, I know in that church or in that fellowship, once you go, you get a job. That's not a good motive. Wrong motive. Like the people following Jesus in John chapter 6. They were folding for the bread. After the early chapter, we saw that they, Jesus gave them bread and, and, and fish. And Jesus asked them, I know that you are following me, not because you want to hear the word, but because you want fish and bread. It should not be so. But today, many people are in fellowship and in churches because of things like that. Maybe there's a scholarship in the church. Maybe they give loans. Maybe they give some financial support. Maybe they can help people to travel abroad. Maybe they can help them to get a husband or a wife. You must, we must examine our motives. Colossians 3 tells us, 17 tells us, whatever we do, we should do it as unto the Lord. The motive must be, I want to please the Lord. I'm, I want to seek the Lord. I want to know God. I want to understand the Lord. I'm not doing it because of a friend. I'm not doing it because of a husband. I'm not doing it because of a parent. I'm not doing it because of peer pressure. I'm coming to fellowship because I seek the Lord and I love the Lord. The motive must be right. Secondly, we must have a clean heart. This is different from the motive. The scripture says in Psalm 66 verse 18, it says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Many people just walk before the Lord anyhow and do not make time to come before the Lord repenting. A few weeks, days or weeks ago, I was talking to a friend. A sister told me, one friend, another friend of hers, said to her, I'm feeling dry. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like anything. Then, she said, when was the last time you prayed confessing your sins? Because this gentleman attends a church that says that you don't need to confess your sins. And that Christ having died once for all, that's it. And because of that, he, he, the, people end up sin, falling into sin and falling into sin and falling into sin and they're not repenting and they're just living on and on and on. And because of that, there is no repentance. And when there's no repentance... There is no conviction. There is no change. 
And so there's condemnation. When the scripture says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So a person who doesn't spend time before God to confess his sins, to examine his heart, to see how upright he is, you can't enjoy fellowship. You always come to fellowship. When the preacher is preaching, you feel condemned all the time. You can't do anything about it. But when you come before the Lord, and you sincerely confess, you confess even before you come, you examine your heart. Many of us, one of the mistakes we make also is that, even in confessing, we don't allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. So, especially those of us who speak in tongues. So, as soon as there is a time to pray, you speak in tongues. And before you realize there's no conviction. There's no reflection of a turn around to give God time to speak to our hearts, to say, never again, and to turn around and to move into the, right, the path of righteousness. When that happens, we lose out. We don't feel the presence of God. The presence of God does not come. But I pray that whenever you are about to go to, into fellowship, church, or any meeting where God is involved, make sure that you spend time and say, Lord, examine my heart. Search me, O Lord. Know my heart today. Lord, cleanse me from every iniquity. Let your Holy Spirit make me anew. When you do that, you are prepared. You are sowing a seed of a benefit. Because when your heart is clean, he says, then the Lord can hear your cry. But when your heart is loaded with condemnation, with iniquity, you can be free. May the Lord help us to walk free of condemnation and of sin. The next important thing, I believe, that we need to sow is a heart of gratitude. It's a heart of gratitude. One of the things that this world may, that can, can, can do to us is that we can be so uh, obsessed with the problems, with the issues of life, that we will forget to be grateful to God and to people who have mattered in our lives. People who have played roles, who, who have supplied us one way or the other. Many times it's easy to forget where God helped us and the people through whom God blessed us. But let me have a grateful heart. In Psalm 100, in verse 4 and 5, when you come, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Let our hearts be full of thanksgiving for the Lord he is good. So whether you, are, you have lost a loved one or not, the Lord is good. Whether you are rich or poor, the Lord is good. Whether you have eaten or not, the Lord is good. Whether you have all your needs met or not, the Lord is good. Whether you are married or not, the Lord is good. Whether you are troubled or not, the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures through generations. Beloved, thankfulness. And it begins in little, with little other things. As we are, we are thankful to people who, who help us one way or the other in our lives. To spouses, to husbands, to wives, to children, to parents, people who serve us, and all. As we show gratitude, it becomes part of us to be able to show gratitude to God. And when it's like that, you can, God appreciates. He harvests the praise of His people. You can praise the Lord. You can worship the Lord. Many times, people are not able to move in praises and worship the Lord freely because there's no gratitude in their hearts. Worship and thanksgiving and praises comes from a heart of gratitude. And you cannot meaningfully touch God if you are not grateful to God. Grateful to God for the little things and for the great things. For the people around us. Everybody that has played, continue to play a role in your life, I tell you brother, sister, that you need to be grateful to God for them. Hallelujah. A spirit of gratitude. Another thing that I see can obstruct our being 
benefiting from the presence of God, from the fellowship, is judging people. Don't judge others. Focus on yourself and your God. Many times, people come to church and their focus is on people. When the message is coming, oh, I wish that brother was here. Oh, this one, the pastor spoke. I know he's speaking about this sister. Ah, I'll record it. This one, if my sister were here, I'll buy a copy of the message and I'll send to her. Every message is relevant to you before anybody else. In the gospel, according to Luke, in chapter 18, there's a story there, I will not read it, where a publican and a Pharisee went to pray. And the Pharisee was very, very proud. Talking, say, I am like this. I fast, I do this. And this other man, who was supposed to be a tax collector, who was an evil man, said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I, I, I don't deserve to be here. And the Lord said, which of these two is more acceptable? Have a humble heart when you go to church. Don't be looking at people and comparing and contrasting. Oh, this one came with that. And that one came with that car. And that one has that. This one, oh, and, and sometimes we are focused on the, even the preachers. And this one teaches more. This one preaches more. This one does this more. Or that one sings more. Or if that one has sung this solo, it would have been better. If that one, that is all we do. Beloved, that is not why God called us to fellowship. If there is anything we need to know, there is also the preparation of the heart. Preparation of the heart. You see, every heart must have an expectation as you come into fellowship. When you come into fellowship, have an expectation. What is your heart's longing? David, many times, said, My soul longeth for you, O Lord. As a deer pant for the water, so my soul longeth after you in the book of Psalms. The preparation of the heart depends on you and I. Attitudes. Having an, a mind that, Lord, I want to touch you. I want you to do something for me. I want you to, 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 to meet me. The woman who had the issue of blood said to herself, if I could just touch the helm of his government. When you are going into a meeting, whenever you are going before the presence of the Lord, ask yourself, what am I going to touch tonight, today, or do, wherever I am going? Well, as I'm going, not the man of, don't focus on the man of God. Don't focus on the church building. Don't focus, just focus on Jesus. And say, Lord Jesus, your word said, if you, the son shall set you free, you'll be free. I have come for you to touch me and set me free. I have come to give me an understanding of this revelation. I have come to, so that I will have a better position with you on this matter. When you do that, God will touch you at your point of need. But when you come just anyhow and come routinely with nothing in your heart, you must have a purpose. The scripture says, and Ezra purposed in his heart. There must be a purpose. The Lord, I want to understand you. I want to receive you. I want to love you. I want to serve you. I want to be a better servant. The next thing we must sow is our offering. Never go to the house of God empty-handed. Deuteronomy 16, 16. He says, three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses. At the feast of unleavened bread, at the feast of weeks, and at the feast of tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. There are many people who say, oh, 
offering, I don't like the way the church is like this, the pastor is like that, and that is like that, and that person is like, look, this is before the Lord. Whenever you come before the Lord, look at the Lord. Don't over-focus on the church and the people. Focus on the Lord. You are coming before the Lord. And the Lord says, don't come to my presence empty-handed. We are respective of the gathering. Once you are in fellowship, once you, are, you want to benefit from the fellowship, enter the presence of the Lord with something. I don't know how God translates the something, but I believe that it's a sign of faith. I believe that it's a sign of surrender. It's a sign that, Lord, all that I am, your, our wealth, our money, signifies our faith. And if we hand over to the Lord, it means our faith is no longer in that money. But I am giving all that I am, all that I own. I think there's a song, Methodist hymn, just like that, that goes like that. We give thee back thy own, whatever gift it may be, O Lord. All that we have is thine alone, and we trust it to thee, O Lord. So when you receive, when you are given, know that it's not yours. Know that it is the Lord's. When you are giving, paying your tithe to the Lord, many times people grumble. People will say, oh, let me defer, let me do that before. But when you, when you come before the Lord, pour out. As you give your thanksgiving with you from your tongue, give also of your substance. And the Lord will not forget you. You'll be remembered because of the offering. And if you do it, out of, especially if you do it out of, out, out of a pure heart. If you do it out of sincerity. Now, this one is very critical. The relationship with God now is a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Whenever, never come before the Lord not being connected to the Holy Spirit. Welcome the Holy Spirit. As you come in, don't depend on the worship leader, the praise, the teacher, the pastor to invite the Holy Spirit into the meaning, into your heart and into your presence, into the presence of the Lord. No. Enter the presence of the Lord being full of the Spirit. Praying always with all prayer, supplication in the spirit. Be ready, walk in the spirit. Be, be, be spiritually minded and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Be open to Him, to be open to His convictions. You do this in prayer. You do this as you ask Him to help you to understand the Word of God. You do, you, you need the Holy Spirit in ministry for you to serve, for you to do ushering, prayer, anything you do in the church. Without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you and I cannot do it. He is the one who approves of the work we do. So you need to be connected. Anything we do in ministry or in fellowship without the Holy Spirit is back to nothing. It's zero. Pray. I pray for you, my brother. I pray for you, my sister. That as you enjoy, you seek to enjoy fellowship, you must not seek to enjoy fellowship on your own merit, but with the approval, with the endorsement of the Holy Spirit. I started by telling you, beloved, that we as believers are a community. We are a, a body. A body that believes in friendliness. Friendly association. A friendly association that shares. A, a friendly association that in, believes in participation. That believes in contribution. As we wind up, think through this. What we say in the grace in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14. In 2 Corinthians 13, which is famously the grace, we say the grace 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. We say it in the NLT. The love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I pray that the deeper meaning of the grace will come to you and I. It will not be a recitation, but it will be meaningful. It will bring lead us into total friendliness. As you go out of the, the presence of the Lord today, think through how many are the new friends I have made in my church or in my fellowship over the past year, over the past month, over the past few weeks. Because if you are sharing the grace and you are not friendly, it's contradicting the word of God. If you are sharing the grace and you are not sharing, it's contradicting the word of God. What have you given? Who has benefited out of your goods? Who has benefited out of your sharing? Your spiritual sharing? Your mental sharing? Your time? Your substance? Who has benefited? Apart from your husband, your wife and your children? Who has benefited? Who knows? Who, who has enjoyed out of your goodies? Participation. We share the fellowship. We share the grace. But what do you participate in? You've been in church five years. Ten years and over. What are you involved with in the church? What is on your hands? What is it that when you are not there, the church will miss you for? If you are not participating, if you are not, you are, you are not being missed, it means your participation is, your level is low. You must be so relevant that when you are not, you are missing, the church will say, ah, but for brother. Be like the woman who died and the scripture says, because when the, the brethren remembered the cloth she has sown for them, they wept and they cried to the Lord. Ah, if our sister was here. And because of that, when the apostle came, they had no choice but to pray for the sister to come alive. That is deep participation. Participation in spirit, soul, and body. Contribution. Spiritual contribution. Financial contribution. Mental contribution. I pray that every fellowship you partake of will be a benefit to you. You will smile before the Lord and the Lord will smile at you and approve of your participation in fellowship. Pray with me as I end. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. The Lord, you have heard us. You have given us understanding as to how to benefit fully from fellowship. I pray for myself and I pray for every hearer and every viewer. I pray, oh God, that our lives will be transformed. That we will behold your glory and will be transformed into your image. And our being transformed, oh Lord, will bless the kingdom, will bless many others. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.